Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this message. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here with you all this morning. Uh, as Pastor Don said, there's plenty of stories, plenty of stories we could tell. One story of which... Uh, he was talking about us playing board games over one another's house, and uh, I almost lost my marriage as a result <laughs> of doing that. <laughs> but I digress. Let me not go into that. Let me, let me, let me, let me get to the word. <laughs> Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word. We thank you so much for the freedoms we have here in this nation of the United States. God, we do not take for granted where we sit right now. And realizing where we sit, we pray for the leaders of our nation. We pray for our president, our vice president, our secretary of state, Lord, the cabinet. And we pray for the various members of Congress in the House. God, we ask that you would raise up men and women who love you, who fear you, who rule justly. Because your word tells us through your servant David that those who rule among men should do so with justice and in the fear of the Lord. So we ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, begin to pour out the fear of you upon the hearts of our leaders. Bring people across their path who are not ashamed of the gospel, and more importantly, who live it. Lord, help us to be such people. And we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Speak through me. Lord, help me to decrease that you might increase in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I want to talk to you all this morning. I know you're all going through a Go series. Pastor Don uh, told me about that. And I guess he started off with being on mission with God. Uh, and you, you're, you realize you're always on mission if you're in Jesus, right? Everywhere you go, you're on mission. When you go to the bathroom, you're on mission. When you get up in the morning, you're on mission. Wherever you go, you're on mission because you never know what God might want to do through your life. Now, also, I understand that he spoke on descending and how Jesus descended from his place of, of heavenly glory to descend amongst us and to show us that, hey, I love you, I care about you, and I've got purposes and plans for you. And guess what? You're not in this by yourself. I'm with you. And so this morning, we want to talk about go figure, getting spiritually fit and fitted to go. Go figure, getting spiritually fit and fitted to go. And we want to start off, if you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read verses 18 through 20. <clears throat> Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And we have this tradition in Sterling where we stand up and read the word together, and then we proceed with breaking the bread open some more. So if you would, with me, if you stand up, and we're reading from the New King James. I think they may have it on the screen there. Is that from the New King James? Okay, great. And starting in verse 18, we're going to read together. One, two, three. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. All right, you may be seated. That's a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. First of all, it points out to us that Jesus has all authority. All authority. That means there's no authority outside of his authority. He rules over everything. But you know what's even more exciting? Jesus has deputized you and he's deputized me to go and walk in and with his authority. Let me say that to you again because I don't know if you got it. Jesus has deputized you and he's deputized me to walk in and with his authority. So you've got authority. You know when he sent out the disciples and they were excited about having authority to cast out devils and to heal the sick, open blind eyes. Guess what? You've got that kind of authority. I don't know if you realize it or not. And sometimes I think the devil convinces us we don't have anything. You're not packing. But Jesus says that he's deputized us to go in his name with his full authority. And so that being the case, that's how we need to be walking. We need to go out expecting to see the authority of Jesus Christ manifested through our lives. So that being realized, I want to I ask, pose a couple of thoughts to you for you to consider. First of all, how are you going? How are you going? In other words, in what shape or condition are you? Are you ready to go? Secondly, with what are you going? That is, what's the message you're carrying? With what are you going? What, 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 what is your message that you're proclaiming as you go about your life from day to day? And realizing that, you got to know that everything starts with God. Everything. Because if it doesn't start with God, you're going to get off course. You're going to get off track. And if it doesn't start with God, it's going to end in disaster. If it doesn't start with God, it's going to end in disaster. I guarantee you that. Because if it's not rooted and grounded in God, it doesn't have any life on it, which means it's going to result in death. Death is disastrous. So we want to make sure we start with God. And that being the case, Genesis 1-1 says what? In the beginning... God. In the beginning, God. We will always want to start from there because when we don't start from there, if we just get off one degree, did you know a space shuttle, if it's off just one degree when it takes off and it's trying to go to the moon, it will be over 4,000 miles off by the time it would have reached the moon. That's more than the moon's diameter. And so just one degree off. And if you take off from D.C. trying to head to New York and you're off by one degree, I don't know where you're going to end up. <laughs> but you won't make it to New York. <laughs> All right. So we want to start. We want to have the right start. Okay. Because whatever, whenever you start with a faulty foundation, whenever you start with a faulty foundation, the building is unstable and it will, under pressure and shaking, collapse. Jesus says, says it this way, Matthew 7. The wise person is the one who hears my words, puts them into practice. When the winds come, the storms blow, 
and they beat upon that house, it's going to stand. But the foolish person hears the word, so both of them hear it, but the foolish one doesn't put it into practice. And so what happens when the pressures of life come in, the storms and the winds blow? It falls. It collapses. And Jesus puts a little emphasis on it. It says, and great is its collapse. And so if we don't, want to, we don't want to end in disaster, we don't want to collapse, we've got to start with God. And in starting with God, we've got to do what it is that he said for us to do. And Jesus said for us, Matthew 28, 18, go. Go. He said, go into all the world. Preach this gospel, this good news. Baptizing in the name of the Father in the name of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And he says, and lo, I am with you. You know what lo means? Lo means, hey, understand this. Be advised, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And when I read that, it puts me in remembrance of somebody else. He says to Moses, hey, I will be with you. When he was sending him to Pharaoh, I will be with you. He says to Joshua, after Moses has passed on and Joshua getting ready to fill Moses' shoes, I'm sure he was, his knees were knocking. That's why God had to say to him, hey, be strong and courageous. And he didn't say it just once. He said it several times. Be very strong and courageous. Does anybody here but me ever kind of get a little intimidated by what you have to do in society and when you have to face society. And, am I the only well, Okay, I got, thanks, Sebastian. I got you. All right, all right. We got some honest people here. All right. Hey, it's natural. It's natural. But here's the thing. Get this. Y'all take the, get this, get this down. Your feelings should not govern you. What should govern you is the word of God. Most times, well, I'll say a lot of times, we allow our feelings to govern us rather than the word to govern us. And so what we do is we end up filtering the word through our feelings. Even though Jesus says, I'm with you, I feel like he's not. And so what happens? So I don't go. Because I don't feel like he's with me. He, if he was with me, it's, it's just like a, a little kid. If he's got his big brother or his daddy with him, oh, man, he... He'd, he'd mess with anybody. But if he by himself, he act like a little punk. Right? And that's what the devil tries to get you to do. He tries to punk you, make you think, Jesus, he ain't with you. You're on your own. And so what do you do? Then you kind of back down. But Jesus wants you to know he is with you. So do not let your feelings govern you. Remind yourself of this word. That's what God said to Joshua. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you might observe to do according to all that's written in it. For then you're going to make your way successful. I mean, prosperous, and then you're going to have good success. So we got to hide this word in our heart so that we can be reminded that Jesus means what he says. And if I do what he says, I will get the results that he intended for me to have. Amen. All right. So your feelings, don't let your feelings govern you. Let the word of God govern you. Because feelings are just like taste buds. You know, you know people that live according to their taste buds? They slowly killing themselves. Because they're eating sugar, eating a bunch of fatty and starchy stuff. They're eating all kind of stuff. Why? Because they're governed by their taste buds. And taste buds are good. They, they add flavor and texture to life. 
But if you live by them, you'll kill yourself. Same thing with feelings. Feelings add flavor and texture to life. But if you're, live, you're governed by them and you live by them, you'll kill yourself. You'll, you'll, you'll snuff out the very purposes of God for your life. All right? So you don't want to be living. Because feelings, they're great servants, horrible masters. Great servants, but horrible masters. Okay? So it all starts with God. Here, here's one thing I want you to know. Life's essence. If you boil it all down, life's essence can be condensed to two essentials. The word says it like this in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. 36. It says, let me go over there. I'm going to read it. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six 36 through 40. It says, um, and a man came asking Jesus a question, and Jesus responds. He says, likewise, the second also, and the third, even the I'm sorry, I, I looked at the wrong passage. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 12, I believe it is, when the guy asked him, hey, Jesus, what's the first and great? I, I, it's in verse 34, I'm sorry, in that same chapter. They were asking him, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And he says, in verse 37 of Matthew 22, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, verse 38. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On those two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So what does life boil down to? Relationship with God, relationship with man. And in that relationship with man, there's a subcategory because there's relationship with others and there's relationship with self. Because the Bible says this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't have a healthy love for yourself, and I don't mean being self-absorbed, I mean biblically understanding who God has made you, how God has created, that you're created in the image and likeness of God. And as such, you should be reflected in his image and glory. If you don't understand that, you can't properly love others because you don't have a healthy love for yourself. So because your love for self is, is skewed and kind of whacked out, you interact and act out of that same kind of skewed and messed up mindset. And so you don't, you don't properly love others because you don't really have a healthy love for yourself. You overcompensate for things. You get offended by things. You're ultra sensitive to things. And every time some little situation arises that puts you in remembrance of something, immediately some emotions are evoked. And what are emotions? Feelings. And what will feelings do if you live by them? They'll kill you. They snuff out the life of God. And so we want to make sure that we understand this living in relationship to God, living in relationship with man, and having a proper love for ourselves so that we can properly love other people. Okay? Because you would think that, doesn't the Bible say, hey, people are going to be lovers of themselves? Yeah, it does say that. It says that over in Timothy. But that's not a biblical love. It's, it's saying that people are going to be self-consumed, self-absorbed. That's not what God calls us to. The love of God has self-control. The love of God has truth. 
The love of God has forbearance. The love of God has all those things. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to see what love looks like. My wife and I do, we do this, uh, this, this session on relationships. Relationships. And just going through and breaking down relationships with God. What's the first relationship? I'm a, I'm a, what, what's, what's the first relationship that God, that the Bible speaks of? Most people say Adam and Eve or, right, Cain and Abel or something. You know the first relationship that God speaks of? It's the Godhead. The Godhead. The Bible says, Genesis 1.26, God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle on the ground and everything that creeps upon the ground. So when God made us in his image, he made us to rule, not to be ruled. But many times because we don't know what God's message is and his word is and who he is and who we are in him, we end up being ruled over instead of being the rulers that he's called us to be. And in going, you need to be an overcomer. You need to be a ruler because that's how you inspire other people to want to be a part of this thing called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. It, people shouldn't come into, into relationship with Jesus sneaking in. You know, hey, bow your heads, close your eyes, and I might be offensive here, but I don't want to sneak into the kingdom. I want to come in boldly because guess what? The way I start is the way I want to live. And I think we should come in the kingdom bold, proud to be a part of this thing. Because, I mean, we're associating with the creator of the universe. This is not just some run-of-the-mill deity. This is the very God who created us. And, and in going, here's the thing. In our going, I ask the question, how are you going and with what are you going? Okay? How are you going? In what shape or condition are you in? Jesus says you've got all authority. Are you, are you walking in that authority? Are you ministering out of that authority? Are you a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Or are you threatened by the kingdom of darkness? I ask that again. Are you a threat to the kingdom of darkness? Or are you threatened by the kingdom of darkness? Because if you've got all authority, you've got the authority that Jesus walks in, you should be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. Y'all remember, I'm sure Pastor Don, he, he shares his Say the word, Mufasa. <laughs> Y'all familiar with that, right? It's like Jesus. Whoa. That's what society should be doing. And that's what the demons do. But here's, here's the thing. Here's the trick of the enemy. If you get this, you will be a step ahead of a lot of people. The tactic of the enemy is deception. Okay? Tactic is a short-term effort to try to get you off course. So his tactic is deception. He lies, he cheats and everything, and he, he tricks you into buying into the lie and the deception. And then when he does that, which is what he did with Adam and Eve, when he does that, then he kicks into gear his strategy, which is his overall long-term plan, which is separation from the Father. Amen. So his tactic, he starts with deception. He gets us to buy a lie and we eat it. And next thing you know, he said, okay, now I got them. Now the plan is set. I'm going to separate them from the Father. 
That's what he did with Adam and Eve. He separated them from the Father. And he tried to do that same thing with the second Adam. Wasn't successful. Wasn't successful. What did Jesus say? I only do what I see my Father doing. I only act out of what I hear my Father saying. And so the enemy tried to get him out there and say, hey, look, um, won't you bow down to me? Worship me. I'll give you all this, all this. And he tried to trick him. And what did Jesus say? It is written. Serve the Lord your God only. Bow down only to him. Worship him only. Jesus knew who he was and he knew who the father was and he wasn't allowing his separation from the father to occur. He wasn't buying the lie. We need to not buy the lie. But in order to not buy the lie, we got to know the truth. You got to know the truth. And so often we hear people saying, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? Well, what is that? What's the prerequisite to knowing that truth and the truth setting you free? Read a verse before that, John 8, 31. Then he was saying to those disciples, who, those people who had believed in him, if, if is a conditional phrase, a conditional term, if you continue or you live in or you abide in my word, then, if then, then you're my disciples indeed, and then you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So you don't just get set free by the truth. You got to know what the truth is. You got to live in the truth. It's got to abide in you. It's got to dwell in you richly. As Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell within you richly in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's how it's got to dwell in us. So how are we going? We're going in conjunction and in unity and in step with and in the image and likeness of our creator, just like Jesus did. And with what are we going? What message are you carrying? Well, here's something to understand. God's process. Okay, God has a process. He's a process-oriented God. His process is he taps you, appoints you for something, calls you into something, and then guess what he does? He, he tests you. He, 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 he allows the testing to come into your life. Anybody familiar with a person named David? We call him King David. Y'all familiar with his story? Looking, reading in Samuel. David is out there minding his own business, wasn't he? With the sheep, singing his song, killing lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. Right? And, and they cut. No, they weren't going to even invite him to the party. But God said, hey, none of these other sons of, Saul, of, uh, of uh, Jesse are the ones. He have another one? And they called David. Yeah, yeah, we got this little runt out there working with the sheep. So they called him in. David said, I'm minding my own business. But they said, he's the man. And what happens? <laughs> After he gets anointed, you would think, hey, <laughs> I'm the man. I'm going to the, going to the throne. No, he goes back out to tending sheep. But not only did he do that, then he gets called upon to soothe the then king because he was, having, he was being afflicted. And that king gets jealous of David because David is having success. And so just one thing after another, it's like, David, I, I, I could have stayed out with the sheep. I wasn't bothering anybody. I wasn't bothering anybody. Y'all come messing with me. 
And now I got to run for my life and be hiding in caves and all this kind of stuff. Did that change what God has spoken about him, that he was coming to the kingship? That's the same thing with your life. God is allowing you to go through things because he's developing something on the inside of you that he wants to use as a stepping stone for you coming to a place of victory, of overcoming. How many, how many know there's no such thing as being an overcomer if there is nothing to overcome? There's no such thing as being victorious if there's no battle to be fought, right? So that's, that's the process that God takes. Think about Joseph. Psalm 105, it talks about from the time that, until the time the word of the Lord came to pass, that word tested Joseph. It, it's like he got his dreams, right? Oh, he had his coat of many colors. He goes, and tell, hey, I had this dream. Mama, daddy, all y'all, y'all going to bow down to me. Little did he know the process that was just getting ready to be set in motion, right? That was a difficult process. Brothers jealous of him, sell him into slavery. He goes into Egypt. He's doing it. He's, he's doing good. And then what happens? Then Pharaoh's wife sets eyes upon, I mean, Potiphar's wife sets eyes upon him. And then he gets thrown into prison. I mean, this don't look like nobody bowing down to me. <laughs> right? But it's all part of the process. All a part of the process. For him to walk into, and within a matter of days, he goes and is made second of the command, in command of the then known world. And then all of his family, his father, his brothers, they come to Egypt. And who do they have to come to? Joseph. Joseph. Because the word of the Lord finally came to pass. But there was a process. There was a process. My wife says, how are you going to get respect if you ain't got your process yet? Mm. <laughs> James Brown. <laughs> James Brown. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're going to go through a process. God's got process. But don't despise the process. You know why? Because it's in the process that when you reach the final destination, it's in the process that you become the person that you were ultimately meant to be. And so if you want to shorten the process, guess what? By the time you reach the end, you're, not, you're nowhere near the person you're supposed to be. You're nowhere near the person you're supposed to be. And so this is all a part of going. Okay, this is all a part of going because you're going with something. You're going with a testimony. You're going with the message. Jesus, he's already prescribed his, 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 uh, his word, his, his message, right? That we're to repent. Don't take out any part of this. Repent, believe, be baptized, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't leave out any of those things. Because if you do, you're short. And guess what? You're not going to be packing everything you need to be packing. And so you go out there and no longer, you're not a threat to the kingdom of darkness. You become threatened by the kingdom of darkness. And I want to wrap up with this. Take this down. The, the seed of a testimony is a test. The womb 
of a message to you might appear like a mess. What you have to be careful not to do is you have to be careful to not thwart the germination of your testimony. And you have to be careful to not abort the incubation of your message. Did y'all get that? So the seed of a testimony is a test. You don't want to thwart the germination process of that test so that it results in a testimony because God, guess what? God is making your life into a message that's going to help multiple others. Multiple others. I remember when I early, early on in my life, in my marriage to my wife, and I'm ashamed of this kind of now, but it's who I was then. I would say to her, and brothers, don't ever say, anybody that's young in you, don't say this. Do not say this. I don't know if I married the right person. Can you imagine the kind of woman I got who put up with that and 29 years later is still with me? That was her test. That was her test. She passed with flying colors. She's sitting here. Five sons later, two grandsons later, she's still with me. Why? Because she understood. It's not about me. It's about God. It starts with God. It ends with God. And every part in between is about God. Don't forget that. In going, understand, it all starts with God. And so as a result, you know, I realized, okay, hmm, uh, this is, is going to be used, I know, Lord, I know you're going to use this on down the road to help others. And that's exactly what he's done. There's been countless people that we've counseled and talked with who are thinking about coming together. And they've come together. And early in their marriage, I think I made a mistake. I don't know that I got the right person. It's like, brother, I feel you. But guess what? You're going to persevere. You're going to stay in this thing because God initiated it. And he's well able to bring it to pass. And you're going to be a testimony to other people. And this message that he's creating in your life, the things that you feel like are a mess, he's creating a message for you to carry to other people as you go and bring the message of this gospel. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you so much for this word. We ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, water it, breathe life on it, and help it to be something that could help your saints, your people, go forth into this world and bring the good news of the gospel, them being a testimony and a message themselves. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovedc.org.